Is that as bad as you thought it was going to be? <laughs> Wherever you are. Uh, a while ago, Chris's wife, Lisa, was an, she's, she's one of our administrative assistants, and she was in the office going like, what is my husband doing today? And I said, I really don't know. Uh, I said, I have a lot of trust in my creative team. Sometimes I'm not sure it's, if it's misplaced. But anyway, uh, that's part of the deal. So we're talking about a pretty heavy subject today, so we thought we needed something a little lighter to start off with. And uh, I guess the last time I heard that song, I've heard it a thousand times. I mean, if you haven't heard that song, you're probably dead. Uh, but uh, I remember last, this, this summer, I was in, I was in, in Florida. No, no, I wish I was in Florida. Uh, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, visiting our, our kids and grandkids. And, and our three-year-old grandson and our five-year-old grandson, we took them to a place called Jump Jam, which is kind of a big jumping trampoline place. And they have a preschool time. Uh, so it was just preschool uh, kids enter and, and, and they started playing they play music the whole time and the kids are jumping around and they started playing that song the Disney version that was our version we kind of changed some words um, and I remember my, uh, my grandson Levi who's three was jumping across the thing going let it go and he kept doing that over and over again for like 30 minutes he would never have once the song finished so I had it in my head I've had it in my head forever so uh, that was that was really interesting okay uh, <clears throat> We're talking today, we're in the last uh, week of a series, um, talking about starting over. Uh, and uh, we've talked about the kind of the premise of the series. Now, so today, if you're the first time here in a long time, or you've not been here in several weeks, um, you can go back and listen to the first three messages in this series. It's been a four-week series. They're all online at greatoakcc.org, and you can listen to those messages, and I would encourage you to if today uh, helps you in any way, because it kind of this whole series goes together. The, the premise is this, we all have mistakes in our past, financial mistakes, professional, academic, relational, all kind of things that we go through in life, and unfortunately, we tend to learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter least, but repeat the mistakes in the areas that matter most. And sometimes we talk about the reason that's true is because we, avo uh, we avoid owning our part of a mistake, it's often easier to blame, blame others. And so the, the, the subtitle of this series has been basically this, how to ensure that next time won't be like the last time. How to ensure that next time won't be like the last time. Now let me share quickly the review of the last three weeks, what we've talked about to bring us up to where we are. Um, one of the things we tend to, tend to do so often in life, we're impatient, and so the tendency is when we make a mistake in life, the tendency is to try to start over too quickly and repeat past mistakes. And the reason for that is because we believe, and I talked about this the first week of the series, with three myths that often we have in life, three myths are this. The first myth is the experience myth, that experience um, will make me wiser. And I said, that's just not true. Experience alone will not make you wiser. Uh, experience will make you older. Experience will make you tireder. Experience will make you all kinds of things. But just experience does not make you wiser. The, the reality is evaluated experience makes you wiser. And so not just having the experience that makes you wiser, it's that evaluation. So we've talked about this series. It's been basically about how to evaluate the experiences we've had in life, whether it's been positive or negative, but particularly the negative experiences we've had, and how to make sure that you don't uh, uh, repeat those. The second myth we talked about was the know better myth. Since I know better, I will do better. The idea that since I just simply know something, that I'm going to do it. And we know that's not true. I mean, we talked about that. We know that's simply not true. So often in life, we know a lot of things that we just don't follow through on. We know, you know things more about health and nutrition than, than, we, than we do. Uh, we know uh, things about uh, money management that we don't do. We do things about all kinds of things in life that we don't always do. And so that was the no better myth. And then the other myth was this, the time myth, that time is against me. 
And I shared with this, we feel like in our culture so often we're pushed to do things quickly, 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 and so we never take time. But time is our friend. Time is our friend. And so one of the things that's good, as we talk about what we're going to be talking about today as well, that time is something that, that it's something we have to deal with as well. And so those are three things that everybody has to do. Uh, uh, we talked about three myths. Then, then we talked about three things everybody has to do to start over well. And, and uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the first of these three things, and that was we have to own it, that we have to own it. And, uh, and, and owning it, what we talked about is that we can't blame our way into a better future. That so often what happens is, is that we simply, when we have a problem in the past, a problem particularly relationally, what happens is, is what often we do is we simply blame the other person. Uh, we looked at the passage of Scripture in Genesis all the way back in the beginning in Genesis 1 about how Adam and Eve, you know, the first thing, they sin. What do they do? They blame God. They blame each other. They blame Satan. They blame everybody except themselves, and they don't own their part in the problem. And so one of the things we talked about two weeks ago is if you're going to make sure, ensure that the future is not going to be a repeat of the past, you can't blame your way into a better future. Then last week we talked about the second thing we have to do is that we need to rethink it. Because so often in life when we do something, we do something that's negative and something doesn't work well, what it is, we, we ask the question, or we say, this, we say this, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And the reality is that we last week, this is the review for those who are here, remember, you cannot be a conformer, you have to be a what? Transformer, thank you, okay. I had visuals for that last week, so I mean, could help you along the way, you know, a cookie cutter and a transformer. And some people came up to me later, some, some, uh, some adults came up to me and said, I know what that transformer was. And I'm going, really? You guys watch way too many movies. That's the problem there. You know, the thing is, is yeah, it was Optimus Prime, by the way. Anyway, uh, so the thing was, uh, uh, we had that last week. You can't be, uh, you got to be a transformer, not a conformer. And so often in life, we just simply, the Bible passage we looked at last week talked about, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's a huge difference. We talked about what that meant to go through that process. Now today, the third thing we're going to talk about, and this is the third part of the process of making sure that the future does not look like the past in the areas of our failures, today we're going to talk about release it. Release it. Letting it go. Um, now week two, I showed a pie chart. Let me go, go to the next slide. Let me see the pie chart. Go to the next. We got the pie chart. There it is. Okay. I don't see it up there. I see it up here. Okay. This pie chart. And I, I, we called this, remember what we called this week two? We called this big circle. It was a circle. We called it the circle of... Blame, the circle of blame, okay? And, and when we have a relational issue, we have this circle of blame. And I talked about, you know, when in the circle, it's inside the circle is all the blame for what caused the problem. And so often in life, you know, when people talk about, uh, you know, their, their, their part, we talked about in week two, that little sliver of a part up there, and that's our part, you know? That's our part in the blame, you know? It's, that's a 5% of that pie chart is what that is. And uh, the reality is, we talked about is you have to recognize your part so you can get on with the rest of life. Now today we want to talk about the, uh, the big part of that pie chart, okay? We want to talk about the big part of that pie chart and, uh, and once you've taken ownership of your part of a mistake, what do you do with the part owned by others, even if they don't necessarily own it? What do you do with that part? How do you get past the stuff other people have done to turn your life upside down? And so we're going to talk about the rest of that part, of that other 95% or whatever percentage it is, today as we look at this whole issue of releasing it. 
And the, the reality is this. Um, if we allow people, uh, it's, it's about how do we, are we going to allow people who hurt you to influence your future? Are we going to allow people who hurt you to influence your future? You know, so often people, because they don't learn from their past and they have not released the past, the problem is, is that when they get remarried after maybe they've gone through a divorce and they get remarried, the second marriage looks a whole lot like the first marriage after a while because they haven't dealt with, it, with the past. The same, prob- the same problem is, is true in, in, the, in, the, in a job situation. So often, you know, we, we go through job after job after job and the same issues still pop up when we ask the question. We haven't dealt with the issue to start with along the way. So let me ask you two questions today. Um, and, and I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, kind of a disclaimer. I said this, I said, you know, uh, one of the things I do as a pastor is I, is, is I counsel people sometimes. I'm a horrible counselor. Okay, I'll just admit that to you. The reason I'm a horrible counselor is I have no patience. And good counselors need patience. They need lots and lots of patience. Because I just want to tell them people the answer right away. Because usually I told you, within five to ten minutes of of, uh, sitting down in your office, somebody usually knows the answer to your problem. You know the answer to your problem. The issue is that you just don't get there that quick. And so if I told you the answer, you wouldn't do it anyway. And so the issue is, is so often, this is the question I want to, when people come to me and they say, well, you know, this is what we're going through, and, you know, and uh, this is all the issues I'm going through, and, 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 they're, and they're holding on to something. They're really holding on to anger against someone else. Um, then I asked this first question, and I don't know how to word this very well, but this is the best way I could figure out is, is this, uh, how far into your future do you intend to carry the angst created in your past? How far into the future do you intend to uh, carry the angst created in your past? Now, the word angst is not, I couldn't think of a better word. It's it's more than anxiety. It's more than fear. It's more than sorrow. It's more than anger. It's kind of angst. It's this this whole conglomeration of things. Uh, How far into your future do you intend to carry that? And people, you know, when I've asked that question before in the office, they'll look at me like, I never thought about it. I've never thought about it. Let me ask, answer it. Let me uh, ask it in a different way. How long do you plan to allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? you These might sound like not very nice questions to ask people, but the reality is, you know, people look at me and go like, well, I don't really plan any of that. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. If we don't plan ahead of going like, you know, I'm just simply not going to continue to allow this to to direct my life, this anger, this, this anxiety, this, this uh, fear, to, this sorrow to, to, to drive my life. The problem is we don't plan not to let it run our life, so it, ru- it runs our life um, in a lot of ways. Now, an easier way to think about this, and when it's not as painful, is the reality of, let me ask you this way, have you ever heard of somebody tell their story to you? You look at them, you know somebody, maybe you're in a small group with them, and they sit around, they come in, and they look like a, you know, a person or a couple who seems to think have everything together. They're like you know, Barbie and Ken or something, you know, and everything is like, you know, this seems to be perfect in their lives. They have perfect kids and, you know, perfect, you know, I, mean, I don't, don't mean their kids go to Harvard or anything, but, you know, I'm talking about their kids are, you know, seem to be, you know, decent, and uh, everything seems to be going well. And then you hear their story, you hear their story, and their story is like, man, how in the world? How in the world did you get from where you were after you hear their story to where you are now? You ever had people like that surprise you by their past? 
Because where they are now looks like everything is, is, is together and everything's going well and you've had those kind of people. And you would never guess that they could get from there to, there to now. And, 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 you know, what I do so often when I hear, and I get to hear stories like that all the time. Uh, and, and one of the things I do is I'm doing research all the time. And so I'm asking people when I see somebody and somebody surprises me and I hear the story of their past and they've gone through all this mess, incredible mess in the past, but now they seem to have everything together. The thing I ask is this, how did you do that? How did you do that? How did you get from where you were, this mess in your past, this divorce mess, this job mess, this relational mess, this financial mess, whatever it is, how did you get from there to seemingly having life together now? And I will tell you that in every response that I've heard over the years, there's one, one thing that always comes up. And it's incredibly simple. They always say some form of these two words. They decided they decided I decided to do something I decided I made a choice to do something in my life they made up their mind to do something they made up their mind to say this my past will remind me but it will not define me my past will remind me but it will not define me and when I hear those stories and when I hear the the reason that's so important is this that's great news that's great news no matter what your past is you have the ability, you have the ability to decide to leave the past behind. I remember one time I was talking to this lady, and, and I knew her in another church many, many years ago, and, and I knew her past. I mean, she had, I just, you know, it was unreal what had gone on in her past. And I remember one day asking her, you know, I was going, not feeling, you know, can I be pers- ask a personal question? And I said, you know, how did you get from there, this mess? to where you are now. I mean, she had a great marriage at this point in time. She had, you know, life seemed to be together. Everything seemed to be, you know, going well. And this is what she said. I don't remember the exact words because it was years ago, but she said this. She says, I decided there was enough pain in life, and I wasn't going to drag that along with me for the rest of my life. It wasn't worth it. And I'm going, wow. So, to ensure that next time won't be like the last time, you need to release the past so the past can release you. So the past can release you. And I know you want that if you're here this morning and you've got, you're in a mess or, or you've been through a mess or, or you're whatever, wherever you are, you want to release the past so the past can release you. But the key to that is something that the Bible talks about all the time, but also so often we just simply dismiss it because, once again, we say my situation's unique. And, and I've heard stories, sad stories, you know, from people uh, along the way thinking like, you know, they come in and they share their sad stories. And, 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 and their, their story is so, so vivid, so unique, that I'm simply going like, well, man, you know, you have every right to be angry. You have every right to never forgive that person. You never have every right. But the one thing that, we, that I understand that you have to do if you're going to get past your past, if you're going to get on with life, if you're going to make sure that the future does not like the past problems, the key is to forgive. The key is to forgive. Because forgiveness allows us to learn the lessons from the past without lugging around the luggage from the past. That's what forgiveness does. Now, this morning I want to look at a passage of Scripture that talks about how we do this and what it means to forgive. So often we have this just, just total misunderstanding of forgiveness and especially what biblical forgiveness is and and so this morning I want to talk about it once again 
uh, I've talked about this before, from uh, somebody who knew the whole issue and needed, the, and needed a lot of forgiveness in his life, and that's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote a letter, and we've looked at this letter. We actually studied this letter earlier this year, the book of Ephesians, a letter to the Ephesian church. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, uh, he shares some things that are very, very important for us to understand and to know about this whole idea of how do we, how do we deal with this whole area of, of letting it go, of forgiving and, in a way that will help us along the way. And so he starts off his letter in verse 26. He says this, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Now, there's two things, two imperatives here in the Greek language. Two things he says we can do. He says, he first says, be angry, but he says also, but do not sin. So there's two imperatives, that says in the Greek language, two things. Basically what Paul is saying, Paul admits here that there is an appropriate place for anger. Okay, there's an appropriate place for anger in our lives. And where is appropriate places for anger? When people hurt us. When people abuse us, when people do different things to us, that's an appropriate place for anger. And matter of fact, folks, in a sense, I would say this to you. If, you're, if you have those things happening in your life and you don't get angry to some degree, that's a problem too. It means you're disconnected from things. And so the, the reality is uh, what Paul's saying here. He says, number one, in your, uh, in your anger, be angry, but do not sin. And he's saying, what he's saying here is this, there is a way to be angry and at the same time not let, lead it, to, not let it lead to sin. And then he says this, he says this, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. He says, do not. You know what those two words mean? Do not. It means you have a choice. It's something you can do. It's, he says, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Do not. He says, you have a choice. You, have, you don't have to be swept along by your anger. You don't have to let your anger control the direction of your life. And then he says this, do not let the sun go down. Do not let the sun go down. And some people take that very literally. You know, I've heard people before say, you know, in my marriage, I have this rule that I never let the sun go down in our anger. And that's pretty easy for simple things, right? Like, you know, your, your husband um, leaves the toilet seat up, you know? And it makes you angry, you know? I mean, there's a, maybe there's a reason for that. I don't understand as a male what the problem with that is. But the reality is, is and some of the guys are like, yes, okay. But the reality is, is that, you know, that's pretty simple to deal with. And maybe you can deal with that one about getting, getting over that one before the next day, literally the next day. But knowing all the rest of what Paul talks about and, and knowing the rest of what Scripture talks about, I don't think it's always about literally one sunset. But basically what he's saying here is this. He says, he's saying, how many sunsets are you going to let pass before you make a decision to not, let, to, to not let the anger control you anymore? To not let the anger sweep you along anymore? How, many, how long are you going to do that? He's saying you have to make a decision about how long. Once again, it's a decision. And then he says this. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Now, it's interesting. There's two words here I want to talk about a minute. Uh, because in the Greek language here, in the original languages, uh, these words, it's not always obvious. The word foothold basically can be uh, translated as an opportunity. But more, but more really, it really uh, can be uh, translated as a staging ground. A staging ground, a room to work. He's saying, like, don't give the devil a room to work in your life. He said, that's just foolish. 
I mean, if you allow Satan to, to, to dictate where you're going in your life, but really the reality here is not, really he's not even talking about the devil here in the way we normally think about the devil because the word devil here translated in this translation is not really the word that we, that's used throughout scripture to identify the, the term that means a person called the devil. It's another Greek word here he uses and many translations, English translations, won't even use the word devil. They'll simply translate it, do not let the deceiver or the slanderer or something like that. Because that word there, the word devil, really is, the, is a common word for the word slanderer or deceiver. Slanderer or deceiver. And when I began to look at this, I realized something. You know, the best way to understand what Paul is saying in this verse, do not let the devil, uh, uh, do not give the devil a foothold, is what Paul is saying is not to think in terms of the devil, but thinks. But this this is where it gets real personal, folks. Okay, this is where it gets real personal, because what he's talking about here is he says, in a sense, if you want to understand what Paul's talking about, take out the word devil and put it in the name of the person or persons who hurt you. Now, I'm not saying they're the devil. Okay, I'm not saying that. Okay, but I'm saying to understand what Paul's saying here. Uh, he's saying, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give blank do not give blank a foothold go to the next slide do not give blank a foothold and the reality is is this here do you really you know so put in whatever persons do not give fred a foothold do not give your boss a foothold do not give the person your mom your dad who did this to you and you're still angry at him a foothold that's what it says now think about how that personalizes that do you really Want to give the person who hurt you the most a staging ground in your life to control your life for the rest of your life? Is that what you really want to do? None of us would say that. Do you want them to continue to impact your future? See, Paul was so insightful here. See, if you don't deal with your anger, it does not matter what kind of a future you will have because your future will be controlled by your past. If you don't deal with your angst because of the past, it doesn't matter what your hopes and dreams are because the past will direct where you're going if you don't deal with it. And if you want your future to be better than your past, you have to deal with it. You have to own your part. You have to rethink what you've got to do. And you have to release the things in the past that are there. See, you're giving the people... In a real sense, if you don't do that, you're giving the, real, the people who have hurt you, betrayed you, deceived you, who've given you, you, you've given them a permanent place in your life to direct your life. And that's why Paul said, don't, don't let the sun go down on your anger. He's saying, don't do something as quick as possible, now if possible. Because if you don't, it won't go away. It won't go away. He's saying, you have a decision to make. And, 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 he, and so often, when I hear people who have stories, and they surprise me by their stories that, you know, they seem like their life is together, and, and, and then I hear stories of their past about how what a mess their past was, and when I ask them, how did you get from here to there, you always hear at some point these words, I decided, I decided, they made a decision. My past might inform me, but it does not control me. It might help me make better decisions in the future, but it doesn't dictate my future. What Paul is saying here in this verse is, is this. There's a place for anger, but keep it in its place. There's a place for anger, keep it in its place. And then he goes on. Then he goes on in verse uh, 31, a little bit further. He says this. 
get rid of, once again, what is that? A choice, a decision. It's something we can do. He says you can get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. I mean, how many of us want to go around life being bitter and angry all the time? Don't raise your hands. Okay? If you thought about even raising your hands, you need counseling. Okay? Because none of us want to be that way, right? I mean, who in their right mind wants to be just a bitter, angry person? I'll tell you what, if you are a bitter, angry person, you know what will happen? You'll drive everybody away from you. So if you don't understand why you don't have any friends, maybe that's the issue. But the reality is you have to deal with that. And so that's what he's saying. He says, get rid of, have a choice. And then he says this. He said, do all that. And then he says, instead, be kind, in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. And then he uses that word, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. And you're going like, the word forgiveness there literally means to pardon. It means to pardon. You know what it means to pardon? In a legal way today, in our world, you know what it means to pardon? Pardon is when a judge looks at somebody and he says this. They ask him, and he says, you were absolutely guilty for what you did, but you don't have to pay for it. We as a court have decided not to hold you accountable for what you did. You're going, that's not fair. Well, life's not fair. And, and Do you want to be free? Do you want to live life full? Or do you just want to be fair? That's the issue. See, pardon is the only way to break the chains of the past, is what what Paul's saying. And you're going, but they don't deserve it. And God, but guess what? God, guess what in regards to your relationship with God? God can simply say, you don't deserve my pardon. But what does God say? But God says, I think you deserve it. And the best thing for you to do is to decide, I, I pardon you. I hold, don't hold you accountable anymore. You're not following me into the future. But, 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 I hear this all the time, okay? And you hear it all the time as well. We make these excuses. Well, let me, let me just go what it says. It, look back at the rest of the passage. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know what that means? And this is incredibly good news for all of us, that God does not factor our sin into his decision about having a relationship with us. Because if he did, we would have no hope. Right? Can we all agree about that one? You know, we would have no hope. He disconnects your sin, your past sin from his future relationship with you. And what Paul is saying here, this passage we looked at, we have the same opportunity if we will take it. Pardon uncouples their impact on you. Your best bet to moving forward is to decide you don't owe me. It's not about what they did, it's about you. You can, and and so, what, what Paul is saying here is this. Number one, he says, pardon as you've been pardoned. Pardon as you have been pardoned. And you're going, well, you know, they have to say, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go first so you can go on. You don't wait for them. Go first so you can go on. That's because the reality is this, folks. 
if they've done something to you and they say, does that really wipe out the problem? Just because they say, I'm sorry? Not really. Not really. Go first so you can go on. And then finally, let me give you something very specific to do if you don't know how to deal with this. Because so often what we do is that we forgive people generally, but you need to forgive them specifically. So this is the third thing you need to do. Make a list of what they owe you. You're going, what? Yes. Make a list. If you have a problem with somebody and you, you, you're angry with them or you have this angst against them or whatever and you can't get over it, one of the things you make a decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first so I can go on, but you make a list of what they owe you because you need to know specifically what it is because if you give them this kind of a general pardon and you say, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pardoning you, the reality is, is down the road there's other things that you never really thought about will pop up. And so make a list. And you're going like, that won't take long, and it'll take longer than you think. Because once you begin to think about it and emotions kick in, things will pretty much come to mind. You know what the amazing thing is when you start making lists like that? About things that you're angry with people about and you want to be made right with? You will discover that most of what they took from you cannot be paid back anyway. Relationship with the father in the past cannot be paid back. A loss of relationship with another person cannot be repaid. You will discover that most of what they took from you cannot be paid back. Now, let me, let me just say this. How ridiculous then, using logic, how ridiculous for you to wait your whole life to be paid back for something that cannot be paid back? If that's what's holding you back. So why hold that over their head, that which they can never repay? If you do that, you will learn from the past, but the past won't chase you around. And something else will happen if you decide to do this. Down the road, you may be one of those people who surprise you, who surprise uh, they surprise people, and, and people will look at you, and your lives will seem to be together at this point, and they will ask you, uh, and they hear your story, and then people will ask, how'd you do it? And your answer will be this, I decided at this point in life that I was not going to let the past hold me back anymore. I wasn't going to let anger be something that controlled my life anymore. But one warning, one warning. Let's go back to week two. Uh, let's, let's Pop up the next slide. Going back to the circle thing, the circle of blame. Until you own your sliver of the part, your part, I know it's not big, but until you own that part, you will have a huge problem pardoning the other person for that big part. Because what will happen is this, for most of us, it's so painful to admit, and one of the reasons is that there's so much of this uh, of their part, we're going like, well, it's, you know, it's, this, it's their part. It's the problem. No, you've got to own your part first. And we think, you know, we, don't, we think, well, they did so much. Why in the world would I spend 30 seconds thinking about my part? And for some of us, this part, this little part that we had, is painful to admit. So you, might, you just decide to spend the rest of your life hiding your part in the fog of all the rest. But you have to own your part before you can forgive their part. You can pardon their part. That's why I started off two weeks ago with owning it first. 
These are all part of the bigger picture. You can't just do one without the other. And for some of you, let me, let me explain something to you. I said time is our friend. When you make a decision, when you make a decision to pardon someone, it doesn't just happen instantly. It's at the beginning of a process. But if you will come before God and say, God, I want to pardon this person. I don't want their, the, all the stuff in the past to control me anymore. I want it. Then what happens is, what happens is, is that God will honor that. And he'll begin to work in your life and their life. But mostly in your life. And over time, you'll begin to live life in a way that where that past, that past hurt, that past thing you're angry about, that you're sorrowful over, will no longer control you. It's a process. You've got to own it before you forgive it. You've got to release the past so the past can release you to ensure that next time is better than last time. So these are the three things we talked about the last three weeks. Number one, you've got to own it. You've got to own it. You've got to own your slice of the pie. If you don't own your slice of the pie, forget it, the rest of it, folks, okay? Be honest with you. You've got to own your part. Own it so it won't own you. Number two, you've got to rethink it. You've got to identify and reject lethal assumptions we talked about last week. These lethal assumptions, these things, and we had a list of lethal assumptions, and if you want to go back and listen to those as well, things that we so often think are true that are start true, we've got to rethink things, and, and we've got to be a, a, a transformer and not a conformer. And then finally, then when we get through those things, then what we have to do is release it. We have to release the past so the past can release you. Pardon as you have been pardoned. That's what the Bible says. Pardon others as God has pardoned you. Decide they don't owe you anymore. That's not easy to do. But when you wait on others to make the first move, you hand them the keys to your future. And I don't believe you want to do that. It's not very smart. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning that we can come to this place and we can look at your word and see what it says to us. And uh, God, here in, in this little brief scripture in Ephesians, Paul talks about, which is talked about multiple times in scripture, this whole issue of pardon, of forgiveness, of what it means to let things go. And the reason is that Paul talks about this is he understands clearly that in life, if we don't do this, then we allow other people's um, dysfunctions or our problems um, to actually control our lives, God. And so we ask that you would just this morning, God, just give us the, the power to make a decision, a decision that we would go forward in life and not, and not simply let the, the past and the hurts of the past control our present and our future. But we would make a decision that I'm going to pardon this person. I'm not going to treat them like they deserve to be treated. And God, the example we're given is that we're to do so because we're to pardon them like you pardoned us. And God, not one person here this morning, including myself, would have any hope at all in the world if you treated us like so often we treat other people. But God, you chose to send your son to die upon a cross for our sins. Not because we said we're sorry. Not because we made everything right. 
but simply because you chose to, because you knew it was best for us and for you. That's the kind of loving God you are. So God, this morning, I would pray for someone here who needs to make a decision to start today to say, I'm going to begin the process of pardoning that person. It begins with simply admitting that to God and simply saying that I I have allowed, allowed these things in the past to control me, to make me angry, to make me bitter, and I don't want to be that way anymore. And God, when we do that, when we make that commitment to you, God, you will begin to work in us to change us. It may not change the other person, but that's not the issue. The issue is that do we want to live life in a way where the future doesn't look like the past? And we have to release it, God. Just like you released the penalty of our sins so that we could live life whole. Guide us this morning, God. And we thank you so much for your amazing, amazing grace that you give us, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.